We're going to be learning the malachas that are forbidden to do on Shabbos. The Torah says you shall not work on Shabbos. But what does that mean? There are many things that we would consider to be hard work that you're allowed to do on Shabbos. And there are many things that we would consider not to be work at all. And they are forbidden to be done on Shabbos. So how does this work? So, no pun intended, by the way. So the way it works is like this. There, it says in the Torah that you shall build the tabernacle, the mobile temple that accompanied us in the desert. You shall build this temple. The Torah puts that commandment of building the temple right next to where the Torah says you shall not work on Shabbos. So the Talmud learns from this that whatever is forbidden to be done on Shabbos is the very same things that were done to build the Mishkan. In other words, the Torah is telling us, don't do whatever you need to do to build the Mishkan on Shabbos. Whatever was involved in making that tabernacle cannot be done on Shabbos. You're allowed to do anything else, just you can't do whatever would be done to build the tabernacle. In the language of the Alter Rebbe, he says, although the Torah says in Simen Shin Aleph, Sif Aleph, although the Torah says, do not do any work, it doesn't say what kind of work, but since the Torah juxtaposes the commandment of Shabbos to the commandment of building the Mishkan, we learn from there, that building the Mishkan does not push off Shabbos. You can't build the Mishkan on Shabbos. And therefore, whatever isn't, whatever is done to build the Mishkan can't be done on Shabbos. So what are those things that were done to build the Mishkan? So the, the Mishnah and the Rambam reckon 39 different things that were done to build the Mishkan. And those things are the ones we're not, we're not allowed to do on Shabbos. But it doesn't say in the Shulchan Arach and the Tur, it doesn't say exactly what those things are. It just says the laws, it says the details. It just says, don't do A, B, and C. It doesn't say, what, it doesn't say why you shouldn't do that. It doesn't say, is this considered one of the 39 uh, malachas or not? Only in the Mishnah, only in the Rambam, does it say the 39 malachas, but in the in the Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Jewish Law, doesn't mention any of the 39 Malachas. However, the Alter Rebbe, in his Shulchan Aruch, he does describe the 21 of the 39 Malachas. And he tells us which ones are, he defines them, and he tells us what the biblical prohibition is, what's forbidden Midaraisa. And the reason why this is pertinent, even though the reason that the Shulchan Arach and the Torah made this is because the purpose of Shulchan Arach, the word Shulchan Arach means a set table. It just tells us what we need to do. So since the purpose of the Code of Jewish Law is tells us what we need to do, it doesn't really matter why we can't do it as long as it was, as long as it's forbidden, it's forbidden. But the Alter Rebbe does go into the reasons and the sources for the 39 Malachas because there are various nafkaminas, um, there are various halachic nuances and changes depending upon why something is forbidden. For example, if something is forbidden, if it's one of the 39 malachas, so not only can you not do it yourself, 
but you can ask a non-Jew to do it for you on Shabbos either. If it's forbidden, because it's one of the 39 malachas, not only is it forbidden for you to do it, but even if it's a suffix, even if it's a doubt, whether or not this thing is one of the 39 malachas or not, but, but if it's questionable, their general rule is, if something is a question, if it's biblically forbidden or not, we say you should be strict and not do it. Versus if something is only rabbinically forbidden, then the rule is that you could be lenient. So the question of whether something is considered one of the 39 malachas or not is important and it's pertinent to those two scenarios about whether you're allowed to tell a manju to do this or whether if it's, if there's a suffix, if there's a doubt, should you be strict or should you be lenient? If it's biblically forbidden, then it's, even if it's a suffix, even if it's a doubt, it's also forbidden. Now, there's also a third nathkamina. There's a concept called gzeira l'gzeira. Our sages tell us that there are certain things we shouldn't do as a, to put a fence around the Torah. There's things which are forbidden biblically, and the Torah says that our sages should make a fence around those biblical prohibitions that lest we transgress one of the big ones. So the sages only put a fence around those things which are biblically forbidden. But something which is only forbidden rabbinically, there's no reason to put an additional fence on it. So therefore, the whether or not something is considered biblically forbidden or rabbinically forbidden is important for these three questions and many others. That's why the Al-Tribbe does address what is considered one of the 39 biblical malachas, one of the 39 biblical things that are forbidden to Shabbos. If you look at the Mishnah, the Mishnah lists the 39 malachas, it lists them in a very funny way. It says there's 40 minus one. And the reason the Mishnah does this is because it's giving us some insight to what work is, period. Why we have to go to work at all. Just like the Jewish people did work in the tabernacle to create a place for God, so too throughout the week, what we're really trying to do is to create a place for Hashem. Although Hashem is telling us, it's not Shabbos, go out and do mundane things, it's not mundane. Hashem is telling us to engage in these 39 things to during the week to create a space for Hashem. That's why the Mishnah says it's 40 minus 1. There's someone else, there's something else that we're into in when we're doing the, our work during the week. We're trying to bring Hashem into the mundane things, that the mundane activities we do during the week. So that's why the Mishnah doesn't say there's 39. It wants us to know that we're missing one. You're doing many different things, but you should know it's all about the one. It's all about the oneness of Hashem. You want to bring Hashem into all the things that you're doing. Just like in the desert, they're, playing, they're building a place for Hashem. So too, throughout your week, you're also building a place for Hashem. And on Shabbos, you are forbidden to work. You're forbidden to create a place for Hashem. The Shabbos is more about being in the place of Hashem, praying and studying Torah and being with your family. Instead of doing those things to create, on Shabbos is just about being in the presence of Hashem. Shabbos, letting it all, letting it all go. So there are 39 malachas, and the first one that's listed in the Mishnah is a funny one. The first one that's listed in the Mishnah is baking. Now, baking isn't, not the first one, excuse me, not the first one, it's one, of the, one of the malachas listed in the Mishnah is baking. And there was no baking in the Mishnah. In this tabernacle, there's no baking. There was cooking. They cooked various um, herbs to produce the uh, dye that was needed to dye the various curtains and, uh, and the ceiling, the roof 
of the tabernacle, they had to dye those animal hides that were used. They had to first cook the, the, the herbs. So there was cooking, but there's no baking. So how come the Mishnah mentions baking? So the Talmud asks this question. The Talmud says, Shavak Tanididan, our, the author of the Mishnah, does not want to talk about cooking. He wants to talk about baking. Why? The Mishnah wants us to have all of the 39 malachas down pat. It wants us to know them. And therefore, instead of, it's not pertinent for us to know how it was done specifically in the Mishnah necessarily. We just have to know it in a way that we'll remember it. And therefore, the Mishnah groups the 39 malachas, the 39 things are forbidden to do on Shabbos in four groups. And so that would be easy for us to relate to them and easy for us to remember them. So the Mishnah lists the first 11 of the 39 malachas are how to make bread. There was no bread in the Mishkan. Of course, the Mishkan, there was Lachim Apanim. There was the showbread. But the showbread was not part of the construction of the tabernacle. That's something that was used later on when the tabernacle was built. But there was no baking in the, in the construction of the tabernacle. But the Mishnah chooses to talk about baking because the Mishnah wants us to have a full picture and a full way of remembering all of the malacha. So it says the first 11 are related to how bread is made. Then the second nine of the, the second group of nine malachas are how to make a garment. Not already it was clearly in the Mishkan. They built, they made the various curtains and they made the garments the, for the for the priests to use in the temple. So there was nine malachas uh, uh, involved in making clothing. But uh, and then there's a third and a fourth group involved. A third group of making a safer Torah. And again, there was no Sefer Torah that was, that was needed, no writing of Sefer Torah, Mezuzah, it's filmed in the Mishkan, but the Mishkan lists a group of Malachas just because it's easier for us to remember it as a group. So it lists a group of making a, how a Sefer Torah was made. So we ought to have it in our mind and remember all of the different components of making a Sefer Torah. They're all forbidden on Shabbos. And the fourth group is how to build a house. So let's go through these four groups. The first group is how to make bread. Well, making bread, the first thing is you have to, first of all, um, before I get into making bread for a second, I just want to point out, in the Mishkan, although I mentioned before that there were herbs that were used to uh, dye the um, curtains, how did they plow and plant? They were traveling the desert. Well, there's no plowing and planting. So there is a Tosfos in, um, Tosfos addressed this question, in Chulin, page 88b, Tosva says that wherever the Jewish people traveled, they had the well, well of Miriam. And because they had the well of Miriam, the well of the miraculously traveled with them, that will cause things to grow. So in the middle of the desert, they actually had the herbs growing with them while they were traveling. That's how Tosva addresses this question. Others address this question and say that they didn't actually plant it then, but they had to plant it before. As the Torah says that Yaakov planted many things in Egypt to prepare for our departure from Egypt. So Jacob planted the shittim wood and other things so that we should have it ready to take it with us when we were going to build the tabernacle. So although there was no actual plowing and planting in the desert, but the Torah is describing things that were done earlier. Either way, there the first step in producing this dye or producing the bread, as the Mishnah wants us to remember, there was 
that this group is is to plow. After you plow, that's the first malacha, the first thing is forbidden on Shabbos, then there's planting. Once you plant and you have something that grows, so now you have to take the thing that has grown and you have to harvest it. Quetzer, that's a third of the, th- of the third nine malachas. So you're not allowed to harvest on Shabbos as well. After you harvest it, so now you have to process it. The first step of processing it is ma'amer. Ma'amer means to gather it together, gather all the different um, wheat husks together. Just because you gather it together doesn't mean you have bread yet. You have to now take these wheat husks and you have to get the kernels out of the wheat husks. So what's the, how do you do that? So next step is dush. What's dush? They used to have uh, animals who, which were attached to these large pieces of wood. And on the bottom of the pieces of wood, there was glass and iron that to use to crack open the, uh, the weed husks. So a person would direct the animal, would stand on top of the wood and direct the animal back and forth, back and forth over the weed husks so that the kernels would come out of the wheat husks. So, but even though you've now separated the kernels from the wheat husks, you're still far from the bread because the, you have now the kernels mixed together with all these, with, with, with the husks, with the, with the straw-like part of the, of the wheat. So what do you do? So what was done was, was zoira. Zoira means to take all of this mixture you have together, throw it, we wait for a wind, when there's a wind, you throw it in the air, and because the kernels are heavier than the chaff, heavier than the, 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 the straw-like part of the wheat, so the straw-like part of it would get thrown by the wind, and the kernels would fall in their place. And so there, that's how you would separate between the, the, uh, the wheat husks and the kernels. We're not done yet. Because now you still have some of the chaff and and straw-like part of the wheat mixed together with all the kernels. Most of it has been separated, but still some is there. And also it's on the ground. The ground is full of dirt and stones. So you don't really have kernels yet separated. So what you do is you put it on a table. And on the table, you take all the kernels and you separate and you take off all of the uh, all of the, the remaining chaff and the or any pebbles that I'm getting mixed in, that is boyer. That's the next step of uh, next malacha. You know how to separate on Shabbos. After boyer, after you've now separated, now you have these kernels. Now you have to grind them. So that's the next malacha. Toichin. Toichin is one of the third name malachas. After you grind it, so people consider having the all the flour to be healthier. Whole wheat is considered healthier, but Let's say you wanted to have the tastier part of the, okay, that's arguable, it's tastier. But anyways, you wanted to separate the uh, subin, the mursan. You wanted to separate the, the, uh, the, the better parts of the grain from the others. So you put it through a sieve and the thicker part remains on, on, um, on top and the fine flour comes in the bottom. And that's how you separate from the mursan, from the whole wheat, and the and the uh, and the 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 the, the, uh, the flour. So that is another one of the thirty-nine malachas. Now you have the flour. You're not done yet. Now you have to take the flour and mix it with water and to knead it. That's another one of the thirty-nine malachas. And after you knead it, then finally you bake the bread. So that's the first group of the thirty-nine malachas. The first. Uh, 11 malachas, sorry, the first 
um, yeah, the first eleven malachas are are uh, are involved in, in, in baking bread, and the next thirteen malachas are about uh, making clothing. Make clothing. So the first step is to shear the wool off the animal, and the mishkan. We had this because in the mishkan they had the animal hides, and after you you shave the wool off the animal you aren't yet done there's still a lot more to do because the the uh the wool of the of the sheep is all entangled and crusty and dirty and the first thing you have to do is you have to manipulate you have to separate all the various strands of of wool after you separate the strands of wool then before you try to process and making a garment, you want to dye the wool. Because if you dye the wool after it's already been produced into thread, the dye won't properly be coiled as a iron, won't properly become part of the wool. And therefore you have to um, dye the wool immediately after you um, you uh, take the the uh, the wool off of the um, off of the uh, the, the sheep. Um, so you take the wool off the sheep and you do manapits, and then you put it into a yoyer, put it into a pot, and you dye it. And now you're ready to make the uh, the threads. Now there's four malachas involved making the threads. It's hard to convey exactly how that works on this video. So I'm going to skip those for now. And the God willing, we'll get back to them another time. But right now, we're going to go to the third group of malachas. The third group of malachas are how to make a Sefer Torah. There are nine malachas involved making a Sefer Torah. The, the um, animal hide isn't, uh, isn't really ready to... Be, after it's been skinned, which is one of the three malachas, skinning the the the, the animal uh, isn't yet ready to be used to write a sefer Torah on it yet. Because after you've skinned the animal, you still have to uh, the, the the skin of the animal. One side it still has some flesh, still has some of the meat of the animal, some of the flesh of the animal, and the other side you have the hair of the animal. And the laws of a sefer Torah: the one side is called duchsustos, so one, one side is called gvil. It's only pertinent to the laws of Shabbos, but for our purposes. In order to make the animal hide proper to be able to write a sefer Torah on it, the next step is that you have to um, take the animal hide and you have to do what's called uh, memachik. You have to smoothen it out so that there's no no um, uh, hair on the animal and there's no uh, uh, no and the flesh is on the animal. And now after you have um, so you, you've done that, so the next step is to um, to take the. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the next step is after you have uh, taken it off. You now have to cut the hide to size, so that the hide will be. Fitting to write the same fraternity. You don't you want to use the entire animal hide. That's called machatech. Machatech. After machatech, so then you have to write lines 
on the Sefer Torah, in order for Sefer Torah to be kosher, there has to be lines on there. That's called the Sartate. And after you have um, finished that, now the Sefer Torah is now ready to be written on, and that ends the um, the that group of malachas. Now this brings us to the fourth group of malachas, the malachas involved in building a house. This, of course, is directly relevant to making the Mishkan because the Mishkan, you built the Mishkan. So, building or destroying are forbidden on Shabbos. And there's also, if you build a vessel in the house, you need to have furniture as well. So, building a vessel is also considered forbidden on Shabbos. It's called Makebe Patish, the final blow that creates a vessel. If it's, if, it's an, if it's a very important vessel, then it's considered part of the building of the house. But if it's not such an important vessel, if, it's something, if, if you're able to create a vessel with one final blow, one final thing that you're doing, so that final act of creating the vessel is called makebe patash. Uh, after you have created your vessels and you're all good with your vessels, uh, now you need to put the lights on in your house. So there's a next mlach is mavir, turning on a fire, and then you want to turn the fire off, machabe, extinguishing the fire. And the last of the third mlachas is hoitzah. Hoitzah means it's forbidden to take things inside and outside of your house. I uh, uh, just want to point out the last mlacha is um, is a very unique malacha. All of the other three malachas are part of creating something. In the action of bringing something inside or outside of the domain, not really creating anything. And therefore, we wouldn't think that this is something that's forbidden on Shabbos. And that's why the Torah goes out of its way to, to, to add extra verses to tell us that it's forbidden to carry on Shabbos as well. And there are also many things that are forbidden to do on Shabbos to, as a precaution lest we end up carrying on Shabbos. In the Mishkan, there was carrying. For example, the Levites would carry the various boards from the wagons to the main square, if you will, of the Mishkan. So they would carry from a private domain to a public domain. Also, when people brought the gifts to give the Mishkan, to create the Mishkan from their homes, they brought from their homes gifts to the public square, from the private domain to the public domain, to be given to the Mishkan. And the Torah says that people should stop doing it. Why should they stop doing it? Because on Shabbos, you're not allowed to carry from the private domain to public domain. Those are the third Malachas. I just uh, forgot to mention uh, two more Malachas. In the process of making the um, uh, Sefer Torah, the first step is to capture the, uh, the deer. And then there is skinning the deer. And after skinning the deer, there is, before you can... Um, uh, before you, um, uh, besides uh, besides smoothing it out, you also want to ma'abed. You also want to put chemicals and all kinds of stuff on the animal hide right away, which is very important. Like for example, on the laws of yantif, there is it is permitted on yantif to slaughter an animal if you need food on yantif. However, there is no need on yantif to work on the animal hide. So if someone has a scenario where they need to slaughter an animal on Yantif, they're going to run into a problem because they're going to slaughter the animal. And because there's still flesh attached to the animal hide, 
they're going to be stuck and the animal hide is going to get ruined because if you leave the animal hide attached to the high, the, the animal hide attached to the flesh for a long time, it's going to get ruined. And therefore, there is a whole discussion in the court of Jewish law about what you should do on Yontav and how it's possible to put the salt or, or whatever chemicals you're going to use to make the animal hide softer and to work it over, how it's allowed to be done on Yontav, various tricks, so to speak, marim, and to put a another piece of meat on the animal hide when you season it, so that way the animal hide will get seasoned as well. So that is another part of the malachas of Shabbos, not just capturing the deer, not just skinning it, but also working the hide with various um, salt and other things to make the, to make the animal hide uh, usable so that you're able to be mamachic and then to, um, to uh, write on the uh, Sefer Terah. I also didn't mention uh, the malacha of kosher, that uh, after you have the uh, the um, uh, in, in the in the second group, the malachas of creating a garment is also once you have the 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 the, the thread and the material, and you have the garment. It's, there's another malacha involved in 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 the process of making a garment that's tying something together and untying, and that is basically all the thirty nine malachas. Uh, that's what to share tonight. Any questions, Yehuda? Thank you for listening, Yehuda. Your birthday is coming up. I hope we're having a Gishmaka for Brendan coming up too. Any questions, Yehuda? No, thank you very much. I appreciate. I can hear you. Go ahead. <clears throat> I said thank you very much. I really appreciate. I can hear you. Glad I can hear you. You know, you know, you know Mike, I guess. All right. All right. <clears throat>